Welcome to The Investigation. I'm Chris Vlastu, Senior Executive Producer of Investigations here at ABC News, and I'm joined by my guest co-host, Catherine Falders, who covers the White House and Capitol Hill. But And I want to bring, though, our Chief Congressional Correspondent, Mary Bruce. So, Mary, now we are finally perhaps going to have an impeachment trial. Is that true? It is true. This is finally going to happen. Uh, We don't know exactly the timing just yet, but we do know that at some point this week, Speaker Pelosi is finally going to be sending over the articles of impeachment after this delay of a couple of weeks. The impasse has ended. Uh, There's some debate we can have, and I'm sure we will, about uh, what actually came of that delay. But we do know that the train has now essentially left the station, and it means that Pelosi will be sending over the articles of impeachment. Then we'll have a couple days of, of... Essentially procedural uh, steps. You will see that they, the White House, uh, excuse me, they, they'll vote on the managers, both uh, who will represent the White House's case and also then who will present the evidence from the side of the Democrats. Then, of course, the chief justice will be sworn in along with all the members uh, of the Senate, all 100 members of the Senate who will have to sit there very quietly throughout this entire trial. And then they'll have this debate on the guidelines on what this trial is actually going to look like. And that, Chris, is where things get interesting, because that's where you're going to see uh, a rather robust robust conversation about this question of witnesses, which, of course, has been at the center uh, of the holdup here for the last few weeks, because Democrats still insist that you need to hear from key players like the former National Security Advisor John Bolton, the acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. And there are a handful of Republican senators who agree. And Democrats are going to try and force them to go on the record and say just that. But do you think Nancy Pelosi's let's go back to what you said in the beginning. Do do you think this I don't know if it was political gamesmanship that uh, Nancy Pelosi was doing by withholding the the articles worked or did it just make this whole thing seem political? Well, it is political, right? It, it is all political. Impeachment is, is by definition a political move. And this one is especially uh, partisan and nasty. Um, we've seen that all along. The big question, right, was this worth it? What did Pelosi really get uh, by hitting the brakes here? Uh, they, Democrats, Speaker Pelosi and other Democratic leaders, are, are quick to point out that by letting this breathe, they allowed the pressure to ramp up on Republicans. And so because we had this uh, weak delay, members like Mitt Romney, uh, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, all were hounded by the likes of us. Reporters went chasing after them and asked them, are they open to hearing witnesses? Uh, And and so by giving it that space, Pelosi allowed the pressure to build. uh, And now we do know where these vulnerable Republicans stand, these moderate Republicans. Uh, It also gave space for, of course, John Bolton to come out and say that, yeah, he's ready. He is willing to testify if subpoenaed. Uh, that, That adds further pressure on Republicans. Now, did Speaker Pelosi get what she wanted, what she was asking? No, but I don't also necessarily know if that was her intent. Pelosi is a pretty skilled political strategist. She knows what she's doing, and she was essentially trying to just uh, up the pressure. So in that sense, it worked. On the other hand, uh, as you mentioned, it did expose how political this all is. And uh, privately, a lot of Democrats, some even publicly, said that, you know, they kind of questioned Speaker Pelosi's strategy. And that's not something you often see on Capitol Hill. And speaking of witnesses, though, Mary, what you mentioned, what she did get holding these articles that obviously sparked the witnesses debate. You have these people like Murkowski, Collins, uh, Romney, who are are forced to respond here, John Bolton coming out. How likely, though, is it like that we will see witnesses 
in this trial? Probably unlikely, but there will be a, a lot of theatrics from Democrats, from House Democrats, who will want to haul uh, not only Bolton in, but Mulvaney and others, no? Yeah, there, there are two things at play here, right? The actual practical question of whether they're going to get witnesses. And let's sort of remind everyone of the math here, that in order to call witnesses, even though Leader McConnell has made very clear, he's not interested in that, right? He wants a quick trial, get this over with, no witnesses, let's move on. But if Democrats can muster the support of 51 senators, then they can call in witnesses. And we know that you have those several senators, those those several Republicans who are on the record are saying they're interested in hearing from witnesses. As you well know from the other side of town, that also then means, well, will the White House say, hey, we want witnesses, too? Will they start to say, we want to hear from the whistleblower, for instance? This could go both ways. There seems to be we seem to be heading and using the Clinton model as the basis for this impeachment trial. But even in that model, they couldn't agree on having witnesses testify and they went and they were far more congenial to each other at that time and were trying to work together in a bipartisan way so how are they going to get together on witnesses for this it's a really good question. And the Clinton model really only goes so far, right? Because while M- Mitch McConnell, that's that's the model he's going after here. And what he means by that is that this goes in two phases, that you hear all the, the, the testimony, you hear all the evidence, and then you have a conversation. You decide, do we need to bring in witnesses? Do we need more information? The key difference, as Democrats are quick to point out and eager to point out, is that in the Clinton model, uh, all of the witnesses had already been deposed. So here the the difference is that you have a lot of these key players, these firsthand witnesses that no one has ever heard from. Now, Republicans are quick to point out, well, hey, Democrats, you could have heard from them if you just waited to let this process play out in the court. And Democrats have simply said, look, they don't have time for that. Uh, they wanted to move this along quickly because they feel the matter is of, of such urgency and that the courts would take too long. And of course, as you rightly point out, it was a different time, right? Uh, The two sides could actually come together and work some things out. It's really hard to see any even glimmers of that kind of bipartisanship on the Hill these days. So what you mentioned about look, the Democrats are going to attempt to call these witnesses and then will likely uh, hear a response from the White House. They're not just going to sit there, right? They're going to say, hey, look, OK, fine. Motion to call what? Hunter Biden, the whistleblower, these names that we've heard from the president. But at the same time, as you well know, uh, the White House has also said we're going to be deferential to Mitch McConnell. Uh, McConnell doesn't want, wit- want witnesses. Um, I'm curious about how that relationship plays out between the White House and McConnell, because one, on the question of witnesses, and and then two, just on, I know we've been using the word uh, decorum. We know this is a president who loves uh, television, who who likes to do uh, unprecedented things in a way. So... on that relationship specifically, how do you see that playing out throughout yeah. this trial? And this is something that you and I have been talking a lot about because this is the first time that the White House will have a chance really to launch a fierce defense of the president. We know these are the kinds of things that the president likes to produce. Uh, but it will be interesting to watch the dynamic, and we'll be watching closely the dynamic between the president and the White House and Mitch McConnell because McConnell does not want this to become a circus. Above all else, Mitch McConnell believes in the Senate as an institution. He wants uh, a certain level of decorum. And the president, you know, he's going to want some flamethrowers in there. He's going to want people to come in and really defend him. Uh, And, you know, you've been talking with them about who's going to be on their legal team. It will be interesting to see, especially when you have wall-to-wall cable coverage uh, and everywhere else uh, of this hearing or of this trial, 
whether the president is willing to go along with McConnell's vision of this or whether the president says, you know, we need to step it up a little bit. But do you think there'll really be wall-to-wall coverage? I mean, I know in the beginning, but everyone knows the end of the play, right? Everyone knows the way this vote's going to go. Do you think America is going to be transfixed? Look, that Watergate, this is not, right? Uh, we do know the outcome in the sense that it seems highly, highly likely that the president is going to be acquitted. But we don't know how we're going to get there. And yes, I think especially within the Beltway, we all, you know, that there's a healthy dose of cynicism going on here. But this is a huge matter. This is, you know, we're talking about the Constitution here. And, and it, it, this is no small thing to be impeached. And so you do need to have, you know, a proper airing of the evidence, even if you do know the outcome. Uh, and, and yes, you know, a lot of Americans, most Americans, based on our polling, has not been swayed, though, by what they've heard so far. That ups the pressure, certainly, uh, on both sides to, to, to try and, and make their case even louder. But you raise a really good good question, which a lot of people in Washington are asking, which is, what's the point? And <laughs> Iowa caucus is, what, three weeks away? The timing so- here is terrible. It's terrible. Because the <laughs> way that this is, you know, if, if you look at the calendar anxiously every second, like all of us here in Washington are trying to figure out how this works, given the sort of procedural steps that have to happen this week, you're looking at really not having a trial start in earnest until next Tuesday after the MLK holiday on Monday. That gives you basically two weeks to try and pull this off before you hit the Iowa caucuses. And for those, I think, what, four, four senators who are running for president, uh, they need to be in Washington. Uh, Chuck Schumer has made it very clear. He expects them to be in their seats uh, <laughs> listening to this. And it's not this isn't a normal proceeding. It's not like there are moments for these senators to shine. Really, they have to sit there quietly. You're not allowed to talk. It's literally the only time <laughs> senators have to keep their mouth shut and they have to listen uh, and, and, and decide you know, how they're going to, to rule essentially on the president's fate. It's tough for them because how do you make a, a calculus as a as a candidate, is your time better spent in Iowa or is your time better spent doing essentially your day job? And look, there is, is one other person who's been in a similar situation before, John McCain, uh, several <laughs> several campaign cycles ago. And there was were days where there was an empty chair on the Senate floor. I know we don't like this question that much when people are asking us about it. But realistically, when we're looking at how uh, this trial will play out. We know that the articles will be formally delivered uh, by the House to the Senate uh, sometime this week, perhaps later in the week. But then realistically, how long can we expect this trial to last? The State of the Union is also coming up, too. So Yeah, just add oh, that to the list. I know. Let's all look into our crystal balls here. Uh, exactly. We know that the Republicans, well, at least Leader McConnell, wants a very quick trial. But we also know the Democrats, as much as they want witnesses, they are well aware that the Iowa caucuses are on the third, that the State of the Union is on the fourth, that New Hampshire is the next week. So they also are up against a clock uh, in many ways, too. But look, Democrats feel that they are fulfilling their constitutional responsibility and their duty here. They have spent a lot of time and energy going all in on impeachment. And I don't think they're going to just gloss over their request for witnesses and drop that at this point. So there are a lot of X factors, a lot of variables, and a lot of questions that, I'll be perfectly honest, we simply don't have answers to. Yeah, and not to mention Speaker Pelosi is still leaving uh, it on the table, the witness argument about yeah. it. Not or that they could draft John more Bolton. articles. Yeah, I mean, oh my this, goodness. I know, I know. We are The merry-go-round continues. Well, we have a lot to look forward to uh, and a lot of historical times ahead. So we will be coming back to you, Mary. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Chris. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to The Investigation. I'm Chris Vlasto, Senior Executive Producer here at ABC News, and I'm once again joined by my guest host, Catherine Falders, who's our lead reporter in the White House in Capitol Hill. But now I'd like to bring in our national correspondent and in-house historian here at ABC News, <laughs> Terry Moran, yes. who, along with me, is, is one of the few people that covered the impeachment 21 years ago and is covering uh, this impeachment again now. But before we get to it, and Terry, you have a lot of thoughts on this, I want, to, I want you to hear what Nancy Pelosi said to George Stephanopoulos on Sunday. We have confidence in our case that it is impeachable and this president is impeached for life, regardless of any gamesmanship on the part of uh, Mitch McConnell. However, uh, that could still come to bear. But we're confident in the impeachment, and we think that it is enough testimony to remove him from office. You know, the, what, what struck me in that quote is the word gamesmanship. Mm. And I know that you have said in some memos, even internally at ABC News, that you worry that this whole impeachment has become more like a political game, that it's like a highway bill, and that maybe both sides aren't treating this with, say, the reverence they should. I, I think there's truth in that. Uh, impeachment is different. Uh, it's different than a highway bill, and it's meant to be. And I think the American people have always understood that. That's why we have never removed a president through this process, because people understand that it isn't just another part of the partisan war that, that goes on from time to time. You know, however you feel about Donald Trump, uh, this is... This is the biggest thing the Congress can do, overturn an election, remove a president from office. And I think the natural expectation of the American public is that it will be done by the book. They will respect it, even if they disagree with it. Uh, and if the courts need to get involved, that will be trusted as well. People forget that, that what turned Republicans against Richard Nixon at the end of the day was the evidence and the ruling from the courts that brought the tapes out and you could hear him committing crimes in his own voice. Until then, you know, he still had majority Republican support in the House of Representatives. So by taking the path of least resistance, which I think the Democrats have done here because of the timing and those issues, and offering a case that essentially Nancy Pelosi was defending, they're saying, it's good enough, it's good enough, he's impeached forever. That also is a ludicrous claim, it seems to me. Impeachment is a two-part thing. I mean, it's like saying if you indict somebody, they're indicted forever. That, that violates the American sense of fair play and isn't true about the legal process. The constitutional process is impeachment and removal. And you don't go, yeah, 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 we got you with our votes to impeach if you don't have the evidence to persuade the American people to force the Senate to convict. There's this whole battle for witnesses of which they could have done during the House hearing, right? They, they could have gone to court to uh, try to get courts to say that Donald Trump doesn't have an absolute, like, royal privilege against having his people testify before Congress. He has a limited privilege over some consultations with his top aides. And in previous times, courts have responded to the situation, uh, and, and that's been tested. The Democrats didn't want to do that, right? In, in Watergate, the Senate... Watergate committee went to court to get the tapes. At the end of the day, those tapes were released in a criminal case, but only because that criminal case is a little bit farther down the line. The Supreme Court probably would have found for Congress. But in this case, it just seems that, that, that the timing mattered more 
than the evidence. And now they're expecting the Senate to, to call witnesses, which is within the power of the Senate, certainly. But they left their cards on the table in the so House. No, Terry, in, ter- in terms of witnesses, hypothetically, former National Security Advisor John Bolton says, if subpoenaed by the Senate, then I'd be willing to come in uh, and testify. Now, whether Mitch McConnell or, or whether they have those votes may be unlikely. Um, say he does show up. What really do we gain here from the witnesses, given that the administration and the president himself, they've essentially said, okay, you could show up, but mm, that will be covered by privilege. So will they be able to answer any questions? That's a great question. So there's two two stages to this. First, the president is saying, you can't subpoena any of my people at all. Well, clearly that's not true. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no basis in American law for that. We don't have kings or queens. And so I think a court would readily say, no, you have to answer the subpoena. The president does have the right to claim privilege over private conversations that go to the core of his responsibilities as chief executive. Now, that's a gray area. It's not absolute win for the president. It's not an absolute win for Congress. You've got to test it. And, and so I think that is what the Democrats, ultimately, if they want to hear John Bolton's story, they're going to have to resolve that in court. And I think they've got a strong hand. Because uh, these are, look, they have gaps in the evidence. The best evidence is that transcript. They tried to fill it in with some testimony from diplomats in Kiev and some people in the White House lower level. But they need to fill in the gaps in the story. What was really going on here? What is that transcript part of? What actions was Trump taking? What orders was he giving? And there are witnesses who can provide that. But I think they'd need to overcome a legitimate claim of privilege. By legitimate, I mean... It's not wrong for a president, including Donald Trump, to say, I don't want my national security advisor spilling the beans about our conversations about a foreign country. Uh, the, the question would be, were you abusing your power? Were you doing something that wasn't about the presidency? but was about your personal interests, and therefore should the country be allowed to hear And that? the House could still go to court as it relates to these witnesses, right? Pelosi, of course, left the door open. If John Bolton or other witnesses don't appear in the Senate, then maybe it will come back to their turf. They could subpoena him. I mean, do you see, do you see that happening? I mean, are we going to go through this again? <laughs> I mean, does anybody really think the public wants, oh, oh now, wait, wait, well, we're going to do it again because now we've got Bolton, or we're going to do it again because now we've got McMulvaney. When that avenue was available to Democrats, I actually think the timing argument was probably not a good one. A, a, a court decision in the summer, as it happened in, in the summer of 1974 in the Watergate case, for, for what it's worth, that might help Democrats. But they wanted it all off the table. And, and the notion that the American public, those who support Trump, would never listen to evidence, I, I think, once again, the Nixon example shows that's wrong. Evidence came out, and the public changed its mind, including Nixon supporters. But do you worry, Terry, like on a big macro level about this country, in the sense of even during the Clinton days? I mean, we also knew back then that Clinton wasn't going to be removed for office, from office for a variety of reasons. His polling was so high and et cetera. But that now impeachment is losing what it was meant to do. I mean, even Nancy Pelosi admits it. It's like just putting a scarlet letter on everyone historically so that for every president that comes in, if they do something, they'll, oh, let's just impeach him. So he has it in his first paragraph in his uh, political obituary. 
that was the great concern of the founders, of the people who wrote the Constitution, Chris, as they established uh, an executive office, an, uh, an energetic presidency. That's really one of the main things they wanted to accomplish there because the country was kind of falling apart uh, among the 13 states. They wanted a strong president, uh, and they wanted the, the safety valve of impeachment so the president could be removed for high crimes and misdemeanors. But in that discussion, they said, we don't want to turn it into, you know, every time maladministration, every time they don't like something the president does, they impeach him. Because then, the, as was said uh, in the Federalist Papers, then the president's just serving at the pleasure of the Senate, which would completely change the nature of our government. We'd have a parliamentary kind of government rather than the, the one we've had successfully for couple hundred years. And there is that danger that if it, the impeachment is not a toy, it's, it, it's not just another instrument or weapon in your partisan arsenal. It is a solemn constitutional process that does, in fact, overturn an election. And I think, as I've said, I, I think the public has a pretty good sense of it. And say, if, if Donald Trump wins in the next election, it kind of even says to everyone, wow, no one even cared. Or That's not. a huge danger, isn't it? I mean, but I, I think people care about the evidence. I, I do not believe this notion that we are so different across partisan divides that strong evidence of high crime and misdemeanor, presidential misconduct, abuse of power in office, uh, that amounts to a danger to the society, to, to, the, to the government, to the, to the democracy, which is what impeachment is there for, would be ignored. Look, Nixon still had... 20, 25 percent support, even after the tapes came out. Okay, so, you know, you're always going to have people who just won't believe the sky is blue. But the the substantial great middle of the country, which still governs the country, will be persuaded by evidence. The Democrats chose not to go get it. The Iowa caucuses are about to begin in, what, three weeks, I think. So if I'm the three, I think there's three senators that are now going to be forced to sit there. I mean, what do they think? Do you now what what goes on in their mind now? They know what the eventual vote's going to be that it could affect the outcome of their race because it, they're sitting there, no? It, th- that would be one of the costs of proceeding with impeachment. Uh, but if 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 it's serious enough as Nancy Pelosi and as the Democrats on the campaign trail say and you've taken an oath an oath as a senator to discharge your duties first and foremost before you're running for some higher office. Tough cookies. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, what I see the candidates doing, I've seen Klobuchar is going to do tele-town meetings from from Washington. I mean, they're, 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 if they're taking it seriously, they realize they have to walk and chew gum at the same time. They have to be a United States senator following their oath. And they have to do this very serious thing, this sitting in judgment on, on a president who has been impeached. And I, I don't think, I, I think the whole approach of the, of the Democrats has been to kind of try and have your cake and eat it too and not have anybody notice. Until it's, it's, there's something, impeachment is such a big thing, it should be done in a big way. And uh, it, the schedule be damned, I mean, it seems to me. And I, and I do think that, that the senators recognize they got to be there six days out of seven, and that's just the way it, it fell. And, and Terry, just another, you know, 
quick question on your other area of expertise, the Supreme Court, a, a character that uh, we don't see often in the Senate. Chief Justice John Roberts, of course, is going to be uh, entering a highly partisan Senate chamber. I know there's lots of discussion about uh, his role, how involved he will be. Will he get involved? Can he get as involved as compelling witnesses? Probably not. He'll sit on the sidelines. So how should we expect his role to look like? And, no- and knowing him, how will, in your mind, how will he approach it? Knowing Chief Justice John Roberts, he will follow precedent. Uh, and the precedent is Chief Justice William Rehnquist sitting in the trial of Bill Clinton and Chief Justice Samuel, Samuel Chase sitting in the trial of Andrew Johnson back in the 19th century. They did very little. They sat there essentially lending a kind of prestige to the moment that all the branches of the government are there to decide this incredibly momentous issue. And the, the framers of the Constitution put the chief justice in that seat, not necessarily to run the trial. Certainly, that's not the way chief justices have operated. But to send a signal to the senators themselves and to the country that this is as big as it gets. And that's what the chief justice is there for. Look, uh, both Samuel Chase, who, who did actually make some substantive rulings, uh, and William Rehnquist, who really just... Did every time a question came up just about, he referred it to the Senate. You guys vote. This is your trial. I'm here to make sure things don't get completely out of line. He ruled on one objection, by the way, which is that uh, the Senate was being called by the people who were arguing, the White House lawyers and the, and the House lawyers, that the Senate was a, that senators were jurors. And so you're, you're all jurors. And Senator Tom Harkin of Iowa objected. First, everybody said, wait, can you do that? Can we do that? And Harkin said, you know, that's not right. We are still servants of the people. We have bigger issues and broader issues to concern about the welfare of the country. What's, what's for the good of the country that jurors don't have to consider? And we're different. And Rehnquist looked at him and he said, well, the senator's objection is well taken. <laughs> and Harkin turned to the senator next to him, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, and said, I just won my first Supreme Court case. And, and, but that's all that Rehnquist did. So I think we can expect Chief Justice John Roberts to, uh, to try to stay out of the way. I think both sides are going to try and involve him, try to use mm-hmm. the prestige of that office to get witnesses, to uh, dismiss the case. I think he's going to have a harder time than Rehnquist or Chase staying out of it. But I think that's his, his, his goal. What else should we look for in this trial how strong a case is it if, in fact, Bolton does come before the Senate, if they manage to get the Senate to do this? What does he say? Does he say Donald Trump turned to me and he said, no money for Ukraine until they get the Bidens? I think you would see public opinion turn. Sufficient to convict? I don't know. But, uh, but certainly uh, that would be the biggest thing. Absent that, I think we should look for a very short trial because it's pretty clear the Republicans want nothing to do with this. Uh, They have lined up behind President Trump, given the evidence at this point. Uh, And the Democrats have kind of they they don't seem completely enthusiastic about it, given what they've done with the schedule and holding up the articles of impeachment. It seems somewhat half hearted. Now, Chairman Schiff, though, he's also said. Uh, look, this is we've done our report, we've investigated, but we'll leave the door open to, you know, if, if, if anyone wants to come forward and maybe we'll have more depositions or people want to turn over more evidence. I mean, do you anticipate, you know, may, maybe they, the House managers could have more evidence to 
present that could shift? How would that work procedurally, right? So mm. uh, in, in a criminal trial, which I'm more familiar with and where the, the, the rules of the road are pretty clear, you can't spring new evidence on a defendant, mm-hmm. right? You just can't kind of, I mean, you can, but the defense has a right to prepare for it. Right. You can you can bring new evidence in. Look, here's a last minute witness. Look, it's it's all those cop dramas are full of that. And it is true. But the defense has a right to examine uh, the, the evidence in advance, to cross examine it, to challenge its viability. So I suppose in this procedure, the House could call witnesses, get new testimony and say, hey, Senate, by the way, knock, knock, knock on your door. We've got some new evidence. I think you'd have a Senate vote whether or not to accept it. And I think Republicans, depending on the nature of the evidence, would refuse it. Well, Terry, you are always a breath of historical knowledge and perspective. That's just my age. That keeps us honest. And thanks again. Thanks for joining us on this latest episode of The Investigation. Thanks to our producers, Susie Liu, Caitlin Fulmer, Catherine McQuaid, and Emily Wachalski. For myself and Catherine Falders, be sure to tune in next week for another episode of The Investigation. The Investigation.